Welcome to the Rural Births podcast. This podcast was created to record and share stories from the many rural women who have birthed, to allow them to voice their experience and learn from them. I want rural women who are pregnant, planning to get pregnant, or entering their postpartum period to feel supported and know that, although care may be via distance, there are options. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced on you and country. We acknowledge the innate birthing wisdoms and traditions held by the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, the traditional custodians of this land. We remember the first women of this nation, the custodians of land and birth, who birthed on country in culture and tradition. Here, as we share in stories, stories of birth, preconception, pregnancy and postpartum experiences from remote, rural and outer regional communities. May we remember and stand for the cultural significance of birth, women's business and birthing on country. May we nurture and support women through this rite of passage as we hear of possibilities ignited and limitations created. May we share in the power of storytelling and memory as we listen and learn from these birth stories. And may we always remember the ancestral wisdoms belonging to the country these birth stories occur on today. Today's episode is with Erin from Kindervale. Prior to moving to this rural bushland area outside of Braidwood, Erin had lived in Canberra. Her first baby was born in Canberra at the hospital. She shares her journey moving through the system during this first pregnancy and how this experience and her transition to rural life contributed to her decision to pursue home birth for her future rural births. In her first pregnancy, Erin did the calm birth course. She held a belief that reducing fear was an important thing for birthing women, based on her pre-pregnancy engagement with Ina May through her TED Talk. Both Erin and her partner found the calm birth course an empowering tool to take forward into this first birth. Erin did have some bleeding later in her first pregnancy and also in early labour. She shares how she communicated with her care provider from home and how she moved in labour and through this unexpected change. She was told after passing a large clot that they were going to have to move to caesarean. She shares the struggles of being asked to give informed consent mid-labour. After moving through these augmentation discussions and moving within a situation that appeared emergent, it turned out Erin's baby was crowning in theatre, and he was born vaginally. 
Aaron moved through a lot of potential change in a short period of time. Between Erin's first and second pregnancy, she moved bush to Kindervale. And whilst she was only an hour from Canberra, the roads are quite remote, narrow and contain a lot of wildlife. Erin's decision to home birth wasn't instantaneous. Deciding to home birth for her future pregnancies was partially about seeking continuity of care, recognising they lived remotely, and the benefits of having your care provider come to you. In her second pregnancy, she knew the value of continuity of care and made a point of seeking this form of care. However, continuity of care provider doesn't resolve all the concerns or issues that arise for rural birthing women. Erin was still acutely aware that her first child was born in just over two hours, that the conditions of bush roads were appalling and definitely not where you want to find yourself for a roadside birth. The centre midwife's answer was for Erin to pack a kit, which isn't altogether wrong. It's good to have your car boots stocked. Third trimester rural women often have towels and other things in the back of their car, but it isn't an answer that makes rural birthing women feel seen, heard or supported. It shouldn't be the answer to rural birth. Just a precaution. So Erin strongly considered home birthing. Home birthing wasn't a new idea either. It had been growing since Erin was pregnant with her first. She connected with a midwife online and feeling supported by the stats on the Home Birth Australia website and other readings, she officially switched to home birth around 30 weeks. The face of care in the home really transforms a lot for rural birthing women. Suddenly, we go from being isolated to having that sense of community extend. Rural women are not strangers to birth on the land. It's happening all around. The stock, the wildlife, it is a natural part of life that resonates and home birth is absolutely an offering that belongs in rural communities. I hope you enjoy this interview with Erin and hearing her four birth stories and the many different pathways she's moved through on her home birthing journey. Thank you for listening. I'm Erin and I have four small people. Um, I've got Toby who's seven, Ellie who's five, Molly who's two and then brand new Riley who is four and a half months old and we live here with my partner Dan um, out in the middle of the forest um, in a place called Kindervale which is about 35-40 minutes from Braidwood. Lovely and like whilst it is um, very close to a city centre it definitely can feel very far away. Definitely the the road even though it's about 35 minutes to Braidwood but the road to Canberra is um, really bad, really, really bad. So we've got dirt, we've got dirt road for about 25 kilometres, and then we have a bitumen road that is probably worse than most dirt roads till you get to Queensland. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. About an hour from here, and then um, about an hour and a half to to the hospital in Canberra. Good track. And we definitely feel like we're 
And you came from Canberra, your first was born in Canberra? Yeah. So, um, Toby, so we, we lived, I've lived in Canberra for almost my whole life. My partner Dan is sort of a grey Buddhist local. His family are um, from Aralur. So we've known the area and we've loved the area for a long time. Um, but we went to school in Canberra and we, we met in Canberra and that's where my first, um, my first, my first born Toby was born. Um, he he was born at, at the Canberra Hospital, um, and it was you know a fairly fairly straightforward pregnancy with him, and um, we just went through the system like you do, like you do when you you know have your first baby and you go to the doctor and the doctor says well here are your care options and it's it's basically you know pick a hospital and do you want to do shared care or do you want to just go through the antenatal clinic and so. That was it. That's 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 what the choices we were given, and um, we went with we went with shared care with our GP, um, and off we went. Off we went on our little pregnancy journey. Um, it was it was interesting though because even though you know we we, we went through the system. Um, and we did the shared care with my GP and we went through the antenatal clinic um, at the Canberra Hospital. My sister-in-law had had a little boy about um, a year a year before I found out I was pregnant and she had done a calm birth course and um, she was, yeah, she was raving about it to us. You have to do this course um, and I was, I was really into it. Um, I was really keen to go and do the calm birth course as well uh, because... Even though, like I said, you, you, you find out you're pregnant, you go to the doctor and you, you get into the system there. Um, before I'd even been thinking about having babies, I'd had this woman at my work, so I worked in childcare centres, and I had this lady at my work, and she was a bit of an older, an older lady. Um, she was pregnant with her first child. She was terrified, like absolutely terrified, to the point that uh, one day in the staff room I found her in tears. Mm. She was terrified of like the pain of labour, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, "This is ridiculous! Like, this, you, you know, it can't be, it can't be that bad. I can't have you, I can't have you feeling like this." She was one of my employees, and you know, I, I didn't want her to feel like that. And I was also like, you know, why is, why is this happening? So I started doing some research for her, mm-hmm. and I came across a TED talk um, by that um, Ina Inamay, I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I found a TED talk that she'd done, and I was just—it just—I was like, "Whoa, um, this is amazing!" And so, having that—it was all about, you know, just getting rid of the fear of childbirth and how it was, you know, really natural and and um, you know what women's bodies were made to do. So I had that in the back of my head, having seen that for that staff member, and then my sister-in-law was telling me about this calm birth. I was like, "Yeah, I want to do that. I want to go down that mm. route." Um, and so yeah, so we had that that little bit of extra information, um, I suppose, as we went through the, the system, I guess, in the yeah. hospital. I think calm birth courses are really good for engaging partners as oh. well, because the messaging around birth for men or partners, maybe in general, is often that you're going to be useless, and I hate that so much. Yeah, I think it's so unfair. Um, it's such an old kind of view. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, we've moved beyond like, well, they're welcome in the birth space. It's not just that they're welcome, they're capable and able to be active. And I, I felt, I also did calm birth and I yeah. felt that that was really a, enabling. Yes, definitely. I, I loved it and I enjoyed it and I loved learning all about the, the physical stuff and, you know, how birth works because before that I had no idea. Um, but my partner Dan, he came away feeling really empowered as well. Mm. Um, you know, we are not, we weren't great with the meditation stuff, we've got to say, but, <laughs> but having all those, it was great to have another, like, another tool, I suppose, to be able to use. <laughs> Sorry. There we go. Um, another tool to be able to use. And yeah, he, he came away feeling really empowered as well and, um, yeah, like, he had a role to play mm. as well, so it was great, actually. And do you know what? We did the calm birth course before we did the, um, the hospital um, yeah. birthing class, and I remember yeah. so we had all this information, and we were feeling, like, we were feeling really good, you know, I wasn't, wasn't feeling any fear or anything, or, or anything like that, feeling like, yeah, going to be green. But we went to the hospital antenatal class anyway, and we were sitting there, and I'm sure it's not like this all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it was just the midwife that was there on that day. But she just kept going on and on about the pain, the pain, the pain, and these pain, this pain management strategy in terms of you can have an epidural or you could, you know, you can use the gas. Not not pain management strategies like you know moving your body and walking around and yeah. um, and that sort of thing. But yeah, the pain, the pain, the pain. And I remember looking around this room full of, you know, first-time mums and their partners. And if I hadn't have already been to that calm birth course and and felt so safe and, um, you know, confident with my knowledge now, um, I I would have been sitting there with that really terrified look on my face as well. Like, poor women, I just wanted to, I don't know. Mm. It was so bad. I didn't, I felt really, I felt really sorry. I, I really hoped that, you know, <laughs> they were able to find some extra information yeah. otherwise because like calm birth is a paid course that you yeah. need to go seek out independently but yeah you'd want for better from the hospital courses yeah. that i i truly believe very 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 much that there is a psychology to the physiology of birth yeah. and the mental landscape that's operating um does have an impact <laughs> so like if you are constantly having fear instilled into you, which is what society does as well. Like um, people uh, glom on, (laughs) could have found a better word, but glom on to pregnant women and are like, I have the most horrifying birth story. Hear my horrifying birth story. And it's like, oh, that's really unhealthy. Like I think that in postpartum, if people have had a difficult birth experience, it can be really good to share debrief. And birth debrief is so important. Um, but to lay that on, on pregnant women, I think, is so unfair. Well, working in childcare, I had I was the director of the service, so every mum would come through the door, and I reckon I got, you know, it was a 66 place <laughs> I reckon I got 66 different birth stories, and, you know, 95% of them were, oh, it's going to be, mm-hmm. but yeah, I did. I felt, I felt really sorry for these women because they gonna, I, I just felt like they were going to walk, go into labour, walk through the door, and all they're Hi. thinking about is, what's that midwife that day is the pain, the pain, the pain. Yeah. Yeah. 
But anyway, that was that was that, and um, yeah, we just the pregnancy was really easy. Uh, I'm really lucky that I have I haven't had any um, morning sickness or anything like that with any of any of my pregnancies. I was able to stay really uh, fit and active. Mm-hmm. Um, exercising throughout my pregnancy with Toby. All right. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, able to stay really fit and really active, and it was it was really straightforward. There was no issues, no problems. Like I said, went through the system, did all the ultrasounds, did all the tests, did all that. So I didn't really know any better or any any other options. And yeah, we we got to just before thirty eight weeks. And um, so 37 and a half weeks and um, everything was nice and normal. I was just at home and um, we I started to experience some bleeding, but there was no contractions or no nothing else to show that labour was coming along and it was quite significant bleeding. And we contacted mm-hmm. the, the midwives um, at the hospital and they, they said to come on in. Um, and we got there and there, there was... No contractions. I wasn't in labour, but lots of lots of bleeding going on, and um, they admitted us. They put us in the maternity ward for two days or two nights, sorry, and tried to find out where all the bleeding was coming from. And eventually, just stopped. You know, we never really got an we never really got an answer as to what what happened, why why we had that bleeding before Toby was born. Um, but it stopped. He was healthy. All of the the scans showed that he was fine. And so they sent us. They sent us home. Um, so we had a nice little, you know, got to check out the maternity ward for a few days before before we we ended up um, we ended up going in. And it was a day and a half later. <coughs> Sorry, got a coughing little baby here. <laughs> um, and it was a, yeah, a day and a half later. Um, again, you know, everything was fine. We were just at home and um, went to bed. And got up to go to the bathroom, and, and I thought um, I'd passed the mucus plug, but then unfortunately, straight after, bleeding had started again, and it was again really significant sort of amount of blood. So we again called the the um, hospital, and they said to come straight in. So we did. We took our labour bag in, and in we went. So. Um, when we got to when we got to the hospital, um, they admitted us. They, they put us into a birthing suite um, because they said that I was I was having contractions. The monitor showed that we were having contractions. I couldn't feel them at the time, but they said it was happening. Um, and so off we went. We started we started to have a baby. I suppose I was lucky they. Um, they were happy, even though they were bleeding. I had to have the monitor, uh, which originally was the one around your belly. I had to have, have, to have uh, the baby monitor. But everything was fine with him, so they're happy to let me labour normally. So in we went, and off we went. and um, Yeah, look, it was just normal old labour, I suppose, for sort of about two hours. And uh, the, the doctor came in um, to do a a cervical check and um, you know went down on the bed and having pretty intense contractions at that stage. Um, she came in and she, she did her check and she said to me, Oh you're 
six centimetres. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> nice. Good, you know, excellent. We're doing well here. And she pulled the gloves off and turned and walked away. And I just felt this big gush. And I thought, oh, my waters were broken. Um, but it wasn't. It was, I was past an enormous blood clot. Um, and then I sort of saw the look on the midwife. I didn't realise. I, like I said, I thought my waters are broken. And I looked at the midwife and her face was like, ooh. Um, and she called the doctor back, who turned around and just went, oh, uh, we're going to go and have an emergency cesarean. And so I was like, okay. And that was probably the most intense, the next 10 minutes or so, or 15 minutes or so, was like probably the most intense 15 minutes of my life. So, you know, contractions were going really quite, coming really quite strongly. There were really strong surges. And then, you know, I'm getting stripped off, candulas in my arm. I've got someone ringing me, you know, you've got this risk, that risk, whatever. And I, I remember just saying... For that like, informed okay. consent. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I can't remember anything that they said. The only bit that I do remember was them saying that there was a some a chance of, you know, with the, um, the spinal going in, missing and ending up a paraplegic. And I just remember looking at Dan saying, can you sign it? I don't, I, I don't know. I can't. I couldn't. Because all through my head I was going, I don't want to have a cesarean. I, I mean, and again, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a cesarean, but I didn't I didn't want to. And in my head I was going, no, no, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I planned for. Mm-hmm. I don't want that recovery. I just, no. Anyway, so stripping me off and everything in and consent given, I think, and off we went and we got to the, um, we got to theatre and they bloody missed. I had to do it twice. I had to do the needle in my spine twice. I was like, that was the one thing I remember and you missed the first time. Um, I was having such intense contractions when they were trying to, just, it was insane. And they're sitting there trying to get the, the needle in. I got it the second time and you know, lay me down, legs in the stirrup. Um, yeah. you know, everything started to go numb from, you know, started to go numb. And then the obstetrician walks in and he said, let's just have a, let's just have a look and see how, how we are. And went down and he had a look and he popped off and said, can you push your baby crown?
So yeah, so Toby was born with a corset and um, I did stain a, a tear which, you know, I had to have stitched up. So Toby was originally, it was initially placed on my chest and we had that, he came out, came out screaming in that little bit of skin to skin. And they whisked him away and did whatever they do when they whisked him away, you know, weighed him and all those sorts of things. And, and then um, they took Toby with Dan while I, they fixed me up and then I met up with him again in recovery. So it was, a, yeah, two and a half hours from from where to go for it. It's yeah. very quick. It was really quick. It was really quick. And I don't know if it was... Um, adrenaline or, you know, I haven't been really lucky to have um, really quick labours with all of my, my kids, but um, yeah, we sort of went from that 600 metres to here comes a baby in that 25 minute period. So. Yeah, so that was Toby in the hospital and um, we did all the Again, we went just went through the system with all of our um, mm. postnatal stuff. Um, Which is not a lot. No, it wasn't. I mean, we had we were what we were there for. We were in the hospital for three nights, four nights. Ended up needing to have blood transfusion because mm -hmm. the the bleeding. So we lost a lot of just over two liters of blood. Um, and on the final day that we were in the hospital, the the midwife said they'd like me to do a trans a transfusion just, you know, to, I guess, get me on my feet before I was out the door and back at home with a brand new baby. Um, so, it's, the, the bleeding was, they said that there had been an extra segment on my placenta, which had ruptured, mm -hmm. um, as we were going into labour. That's, that's what that was. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, we... Yeah, so we stayed there, I think, three nights. We went home. Went, what do we do with this small child? Yeah. <laughs> had, I think we had one, it's really hard to remember, it was so long ago, one home visit from the midwife, I'm pretty yeah. sure, within that first sort of week of being home. And, um, yeah, it was fine. He was gaining weight. Um, you know, the, the midwives that came out were were lovely and supportive and, and that sort of thing. Um, but then it was, you know, go and do the rest of your checkups through the maternal and child health centres. Um, yeah, I guess the onus is then on you to go and um, access those, those services rather than having those services come to you, which we were so lucky to have um, with our next three. Our next yeah. three were, um, I guess it was, you know, being in the city, being in Canberra, there was there was plenty of support if you needed to access it. You, you know, you could go to the mm -hmm. maternal, maternal and child health centre and um, like, go and have your go and get your baby weighed. And um, we we went to one of the sleep groups. Uh, they had a, like a zero to three month sleep group that you could go to, and not really understanding what newborn sleep is like. And everyone's saying, oh, if your baby's sleeping through the night, we went along to it. You know, we're much older and wiser now and understand yeah. a little bit more what newborn sleep really does look like. But, you know, um, there were lots of services there that, that we could access. 
I'm so cautious around like sleep assistant stuff because I think it's a big industry where a lot of money is made off some very tired people, which I kind of have an issue with. Um, Perhaps there are people out there who do a fantastic job um, and are truly helping people. But like I remember when Shanley was, I don't know if he was four or five months, it was at one of the maternal child healthcare visits. And she really got into going Tresillion on me. Um, And it started, I believe, a bit of a cascade of like sleep panic. Something that I think I'd been okay with up until it had been pointed out as being wrong. You had the professional. Yeah. Um, And since then, I've actually been quite agitated about that experience. Yeah. Because I think if I'd been left well enough alone we had a healthy breastfeeding relationship like um yes he was waking but there was this uh they often call it like the mother baby dyad and we were just doing nighttime parenting together um but it just like maybe if people are asking for it that's different but if people aren't raising it yeah yeah, so I'm very cautious around sleep instructor, instructors or sleep uh, training. Yeah. Well, we had, we had at all of the maternal child health visits that we went to, you know, to, to check weight and see how she, he was doing and, and that sort of thing. Um, they were, the match nurses were all pushing the feed, play, sleep, feed, play, sleep, mm. feed, play, sleep routine. And I was like, why isn't my baby doing this routine that they're supposed to be doing? He feeds, then he sleeps, and then he wakes, and then he he feeds again, and then he sleeps, and then he yeah. again. And and you do you feel, especially as a first time mum, you feel, what am I doing wrong? Like, why is my baby not doing it? But mm-hmm. that's that's not what babies are supposed to do. That you know, if they're breastfeeding, of course they're going to fall asleep, and it's probably not very healthy having. Again, I'm not a I'm not a health professional. I'm just, mum but when you've got the health professionals telling you to do what seems so completely different to what what your baby is doing what your baby should be doing it can't be healthy and it does it sets you up for feeling like a failure doesn't it Mm. so at 10 months then you decide to move rural or was this a long-term plan that we'd always down i'd always our dream had always been to buy a piece of property and live a really self-sufficient lifestyle um, and we'd always come out to Palaganda for camping and bushwalking and you know bring our mm-hmm. dogs out and, and that sort of thing um, but when we so when we found this property we knew this was the one mm-hmm. it was just a little bit Originally, just a little bit further from town than we had wanted. You know, we sort of thought 45 minutes from town would be, from Canberra would be perfect. So we could yeah. still work and not have, you know, hours upon hours upon hours in the car every week. Um, you know, we were an hour from Dan's work, an hour 10 from my work, this place is. But it was perfect, so we did. So 10 months old, we moved out here. Um, and, and how did that change things for you? Like, were you quite comfortable with being a bit more isolated or um, did you crave yeah. additional connections? Not at that stage, but 
when I fell pregnant with um, my, my second Ellie, my daughter Ellie, we, that was actually one of my big, Bye. That going on when I was going on maternity leave, and Dan would, you know, have to be Dan did two weeks off, and then I'd be out here on my own. And, you know, we don't, we don't get a lot of visitors, <laughs> but I'd be out here on my own all the time with a. Well, Toby wouldn't wasn't even going to be two mm. with a newborn baby, and actually that was one of the things I was really worried about. I remember making um, sort of. Little plans in my head, like, oh, I'll keep Toby in childcare so that I can, I can go into town and I'll stay at my mum's house at night. You know, I can see people and I won't be on my own. But once she was here, mm. it was great actually. But yeah, so um, found out we were pregnant with Ellie at um, Toby was 12 months old um, when I fell pregnant, but we didn't find out we were pregnant with her until I was. 13 and a half weeks long. Wow. Because um, again, I didn't have any morning sickness and I was feeling great and you know, I was back playing sport. I remember, I remember, it sounds, you know, really vain of me, but I remember going, I've lost all the baby weight and I still got this pot belly going on here. <laughs> and then, like, oh, it's not a pot belly, there's a baby growing in there. <laughs> yeah. Very vain of me, but that's a valid question to ask. What's going on? <laughs> we went to, I'm going to the, like, did the pregnancy test. I went, oh, we're pregnant. Better go on. We'll go and find out how far along we are. I no idea. My cycle hadn't returned, so couldn't couldn't sort of count it back. Um, and we went in to have the ultrasound done. And, you know, you're, I'm expecting like the little bean on the screen, and there's this baby with arms and legs. <laughs> yeah. like, Holy, oh my god! Um, <laughs> You've been here for a little while. Yeah. And she, she looked the, um, what are they called? The sonographer, is that what they're called? No, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Said, oh, you must be about 15 weeks along here. I'm like, what? But no, she was just a new baby. Mm-hmm. 13 and a half weeks. Um, so at that point, um, because being in a new area, like, after your first birth experience yeah. as well, like, what were your first kind of movements through making birth choices in this completely new context? And um, well, I just went with what I knew, and that was, I went to my GP. Yeah. I knew, again, that I, I really wanted that continuity. So, so what I didn't mention with Toby is, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I jumped on the, um, the program, the CATCH program, um, for the continuity at the Canberra Hospital program, or put my name down for it, sorry, and I put my name down for the, um, oh, my brain is failing me now, but, you know, to, to like, the midwifery program. Yeah. And I didn't get into either of those, so, mm. I, you know, my experience with him was just going to be going in through the, um, <laughs> the maternity ward, I didn't get to go into the the birth centre or anything like that. But I was really craving having that continuity. So I did the same thing again, even though we were 13 and a half weeks a month, really quickly called up and got put my name down for the CATCH program, but then just went with what I knew and I went to the GP mm. and started the process of shared care again. Um, but having had Toby in two and a half hours and knowing the... Yeah. Appalling conditions of the road, and 
The bumps are likely to help. Like I fear that on the so King's right. Highway, but that's a main road which actually does have sides to the road. Yeah. You guys have trucks coming along Captain's Flat oh. Road and there are no sides to the road. Well, there's a, a drop, you know, yeah. or a, a climb. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Well, that's what I was really, really worried about. Um, and I was, yeah, thinking about it all What the time. started to come through your head? What was, what were you thinking is well, like the, okay, if we are birthing on the side of the road, it's going to look like. So, well, I, I, I thought, I was thinking home birth. And cool. we thought home birth, uh, not thought it, because of the reading that I'd done and, and a beautiful story that the, um, that, that Tracy, the calm birth um, educator, had told us about a baby that she had had at home. And I thought, oh, geez, that would be so lovely with Toby. Mm. But, you know, I'm in town, no one is going to support me. And you, just, and you have yeah. babies in the hospital. So that's what we did. But it's been sort of rolling around. Growing, in my head. this little idea. Yeah. Um, so we thought about it. And so Dan and I talked about it a bit. And we started, you know, doing some reading and doing some research and um, just looking into it whilst going through the processes. That standard, um, you know, having a baby care um, with the the hospital in Canberra. And um, who was kind of able to help you identify, or was it an internet-based research yeah, thing just, of finding just who's available? I didn't know anyone. I, I wouldn't even know where to start finding someone that um, you know could, I could speak to about that. Um, so, yeah, you know, the internet and Facebook groups and all of those sorts of things was the research to start with, looking at the... Um, the Home Birth Australia website and reading some of their the stats and that that they had on there. And the more I read about it, the more it just felt like the right way to birth. Um, and Dan and I were convinced pretty early on, I think, that we were wanting to do that. But And were you at all concerned um, or did people try to put concerns on you about things that had happened in Toby's birth for Ellie's birth? Yeah. Because... We didn't... Well... Like, midwives, they can often allay some of those concerns by yeah. sharing how they would manage it. Because they have answers as to, like, if someone's having a postpartum bleed, we do, we do these different do things. Like, they, they don't <laughs> turn up kitless. No. <laughs> and, you know, that's what we had to... We, didn't, we had to find that out. Yeah. We didn't know. So, the, the, what's happened was, because they had the bleed and the hemorrhaging... The, with Toby, um, I was considered high risk, and so therefore I wasn't able to birth at Queensland Hospital, which was yeah. slightly closer. So it was going to be on a good run, probably an hour and a half from here to the yeah. hospital. And I was convinced second baby, I wasn't going to make that. So because um, what had your early labour signs been like with none. Toby? Yeah, cool. We, I got to the, <laughs> I, so there was the bleeding. We went to the hospital for the bleeding, and while I was there. They said to me, oh, you're six centimetres. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're having to have a contraction. And it would have been a little bit after. I guess once I started tuning in, I was like, oh, yeah, I can feel something there. And um, yeah, but there was, there was nothing really. And I didn't have Bracken and Hicks or anything like that with him. It was, and my water didn't break. It just, they told me I was having contraction. I couldn't feel it. Um, so we did, yeah, so. Um, 
25 weeks, I got accepted into the HAPT program, like the Canberra Hospital. And so we're still thinking, we hadn't committed to home birth here, we'd just been doing our reading and research, I hadn't committed. Then I got accepted into that program. And I went, and I think at 27 weeks, I went and met with my midwife, the midwife that was going to, you know, do all my care and hopefully be the one that was on, you know, when I went into labour. And I went to, I remember going to that first appointment with her and we were talking about it. And she asked where I lived and I told her. And then she asked all about my birth with Toby and I told her. And she said to me, some words to the effect of, ah, oh, so um, we're going to have to pack a, a birth on the side of the road. You're going to need tarps. You're going to need this. You're going to need that. And I was just thinking, no. I think that's one of the ways we first connected was me saying they told me I'd have to camp on the side of the road, like last time, um, saying next time I'll have to camp outside the hospital. (laughs) And it's like, that's not good advice. Can you try and give me some actual rural advice? I feel so anxious. So anxious. And don't get me wrong, she was lovely because she said to me, look, if you... And I think they think they're being slightly funny as well when they say it. Yeah, it's not funny. <laughs> she, she'd also said to me, look, if you don't think you're going to make it to the hospital, you call and I'll come out and meet you on the road, which was lovely, but also, I don't want to have a baby on the side of the road. <laughs> no. what, a, what a lovely offer. Like, <laughs> I don't want to. Um, but yeah, that telling me telling me to have two, two labour bags packed, one for the hospital and one for the side of the road. Wow. So... Um, which I think having a road kit as a rural person is a good idea like yeah. I know like we'll put some towels yeah. in, in the boot yeah. and um, I can't think what else but I know there's good like lists the kind of stuff you'd have at home from home and there. Yeah. just try and have a couple of extra bits exactly. in the car you know sensible planning but it, it really that was the thing that made me go that and at about the same time that we had been I made contact with one of the only, at that stage, from what I could find, one of the only private practicing midwives that would come to where I lived. Mm -hmm. And I met with her and her colleague in in Queanbeyan, and we had a chat, and I asked her all those questions. You know, what do you bring with you? Have you lost any babies? Um, Have, you know... um, What's it like? How long will it take you to get to me? All of these things, you know. I'm, I, I, the hospital is considering me high risk. What do you, what are you going to do? And, and what was her advice? Or like, did you ask about like when you should call her being a fast birther? She yeah, not until a lot later, like when we actually decided to go ahead with the birth, um, with the home birth, and she had told me at that stage call her when contractions were at five minutes. Okay. Um, might have been seven minutes. Sometimes I'm struggling to remember. That was a long time yeah. ago. Yeah. I think it was five minutes. I think it was five minutes. Um, so getting a little bit regular. Yeah. Um, so we so that happened at about the same time as um, me getting accepted into the program, and then I went to that first appointment, and when she said that, I went, "Still the deal. We're going. We're going with the private wife. And so um, at 30 weeks, I had my first appointment with her. Wow. Yes, yeah, so it was really quite late in the pregnancy. But it kind of does do that. Like, you're talking about the woman from the CATCH program. Like, it seems like they just have no idea what to do with you as a rural person. Yeah. That you're like, well, 
Yeah. Maybe I should seek a different <laughs> care alternative. Exactly. Um, so that's, that's what we went down. And How did you feel at 30 weeks, having that first connection, developing then with the midwife who was going to be at your birth? And excited, but also a little bit nervous, because I guess, you know, um, even though I was confident in my choice, there was still that little bit of um, doubt, I suppose, because it's not, it's not the norm. Mm. And um, I know that my sister-in-law and Sam's mum were, they were supportive, but they were really nervous about it. Yeah. They would both have felt far more comfortable if I was working at the hospital. And, you know, they were often just... <laughs> just found that voice. Um, offered to, you know, come and stay in Canberra, you know, for like, what do you do? You, you pack up pack up pack your bags at thirty seven yeah. weeks and And people do that in really remote areas, but the thing is you don't live remotely. You do have alternatives. Um, so if you want to explore alternatives you can and often those women who are travelling in are then having augmentations. They're being induced or they're receiving cesareans. Um because that's very intense to leave home and then wait somewhere for a really long time. Yeah, that's right. You know, leave your leave your family. You know, do you take your other children with you? Do you leave them at home with your dad? Like, what what do you do? It's not really a fair choice. And yeah, so I, I did. I felt I felt really great about it, and I was really happy with uh, my choice of midwife. To um, you know, get on really well. She seemed to be a really great fit for our family. Um, so, so yeah, I was excited, but still had a little, a, a little bit nervous. And I was a little bit nervous too because um, even though I had experienced, you know, contractions and labour, I hadn't actually felt, I hadn't, you know, I couldn't feel pushing my baby out. So I was, I was worried, would I be able to handle the pain, the pain, the pain, yeah. you know? I was worried about that. Well, I think about next time having been induced the first time, um, <laughs> which makes me want to lean into home birth. Will I know what it feels like that labour starting? Because <laughs> I'm like, it was induced. <laughs> and then I live rurally. How am I going to get there? Maybe I'll be like, no, nah, this is just a really intense Braxton <laughs> And people have silent labours and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the what you haven't experienced does become a like it, it question. Can be a worry, can't it? Yeah. Um, so but we started. It was great then. You know, she started coming out. We had um, our antenatal visits here at the house, which was great. And what was that like, as opposed to um, being in, I guess, hospital setting? So good because you sit down and you have a cup of tea, and you know. Toby's sitting up on her lap, or, or you know, I don't know, making it. And they can have a go. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, you know, um, not, not so much distressed not so much waiting in waiting rooms. Yeah, that's right. That and you know, dragging a a small child in and out of town for an hour in the car is a traumatic experience in, in itself. So it was really great. Um, yeah, felt really, really happy with really happy with the choice. Um, and, and yes, supported, but like I said, there was, there was some family members that were 
worried because it wasn't it wasn't the normal thing to do. So. And I reckon a lot of people would feel you on that. <laughs> like, yeah. That uh, I reckon in any birth space, someone when they bring themselves to someone else's birth if they have a trauma they often carry their trauma as they hear about someone else's choices or um, experiences it's it's quite layered birth um which I wish for people to have better experiences but um yeah that's that's a whole other like societal, social, mega issue. We don't birth debrief well either. Like the postpartum care I think is a major part of that where um, maybe people would bring less fear to others' birth spaces if they'd been given um, time and to feel heard. And you you get, you know, certainly um, with the 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 postnatal stuff that we did in, in Canberra with Toby, it's very, and you know, Rightly so, it's very focused on the baby. But no one sort of, aside from, oh, how are you doing? No one sort of really, and, and that, I don't know what it's called, you know, the depression scale chart yeah. that they all ask you. No one really asks you how you're doing. No. You know? <laughs> like, depression scale fine, it's meant to be an identifier thing. It wasn't until I sought some counselling about a year after Shan was born um, that ages into our sessions, the counsellor asked me, has anyone debriefed your birth experience with you? So I was like, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, we'll definitely do Let's that. Do like, that. Um, And it was I don't know, more listening, I guess, but wow, to be given the time to yeah. go yeah. through it. To talk, and, yeah. you know, when you talk, Everyone like, deserves that. New things come up as well, like when you verbalise things and vocalise things, mm. you know, new, new things can be brought up for you. So it's so important to do, I think. Um. But yeah, so that was, it was great. I was, we were happy. Happy with the decision, happy with our midwife. Um, you know, it, at that late stage in the pregnancy, it was a, a really big financial burden. You know, we didn't have the... And the how did you kind of... Save for that. Hustle, I well, guess. Because um, I think hustle is probably a good expression for people who are saving for home birth. It's less of a, we have this money, more of a... All right, knuckle down. And it's the opposite energy to pregnancy. <laughs> so lovely and all these things. And then you're like, hustle oh, mode. I'm going to be really stingy on something. I'm gonna, yeah. um, I don't... don't remember. I know that the midwife, I know she offered... Um, you know, we didn't have to pay everything up front. We were able to pay in, um, installments, which was really helpful. Particularly like you've joined her 30 oh, weeks like, in. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, I did hustle. I did ask, you know, it's late stage. Do we get a discount at all? No, you don't. <laughs> um, yeah, and look, and it's a, it is it's expensive, um, but so worth it. So so worth it. Um, yeah, you know, I guess I think if I remember rightly, when I first found out I was pregnant, I picked up an extra day at work just to on maternity leave and higher pay. But that's really good advice for anyone. Like, well, if you can manage it in your life to pick up an extra day yep. and it increases your maternity leave pay, yeah. good idea. Yes, yeah. Um, and my employer had uh, pretty good maternity leave benefits, so it was, it was good. You know, we, we had that extra income coming in. I think at that stage, Jan was still working. So it wasn't as much of a hustle as it had been the last couple of times, but it was. 
for a second-hand birth pool. And the second midwife even, um, you know, dropped it off. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was really easy. It was really easy. Um, and so then, I guess, we got to, we got the baby coming. And, um, <laughs> I don't know, he thinks this is talk. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> She was kind of already ready for that because she'd seen you earlier that day. Well, yeah, except she was down the coast. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. This was late in the afternoon. Um, and I I gave Jan a call and said, I think I have a baby. He's at work. I was saying I'm on the coast. 
And then I gave the midwife a call and said, Who's having a baby? And I just said, Oh, I'm I'm pinching down the vein or something. So I'll give you a call when I get to Braidwood and see how you're doing. And off we went. So started organising, you know, cooking Jody's dinner and all those things, cooking dinner and and um, playing with him and um, she gave me a call when she got to Braidwood and um, I was still, you know, at that time I was still walking around and everything was fine but she said, oh, yep, no, I'm, I'm coming up. Mm-hmm. I think she could hear it in my voice. So um, not long after she had called, Dan made it home and by, that, by the time Dan made it home, I was on my hands and knees and there was no sort of walking around the house I got Toby's dinner prepared and got Good on you. all the high and everything. <laughs> 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 I, I, I know, but I just feel like congratulations <laughs> for getting the dinner <laughs> ready. <laughs> Not even <laughs> just toast. <laughs> <laughs> he got the pistol. We went into the, and we went into the, the spare room and we were playing. And, and yeah, just before Dan got home, I was sort of doing hands and knees. And yeah, there was much playing going on. Um, so Dan got here, moved out to the lounge room, and I just did my thing on the lounge room floor. And our midwife got here with 45 minutes to spare. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came in, and you know she was great, just hands off. She didn't, she didn't ask for an examination or touch me or anything. She just came and she sat on the couch. And she asked me a couple of questions, but really, really Had they already had a bit of a sleep routine going together, or had he always kind of gone to bed with you? He was still, I was still breastfeeding Toby at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I must. I must have. You know, I must have been breastfeeding him to sleep anymore, though. But um, no, I wasn't. He was. He was taking. Sure, he was taking a bottle to go to bed at that stage. So they didn't really have a routine, but we had stopped breastfeeding to sleep. Um, but he woke up at 4 a.m. that morning, and I, turned, and I remember he only had the smallest, smallest day nap, and so he was exhausted, which was really nice. And he ended up going to bed at like half past six, which was super early, because he was, he was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. He must have known there was a baby coming. Um, so yeah, Dan, him, Dan got him organised and, and got him into bed, and he was asleep, and then, you know, Dan came out and sat on the couch. With me, or sat on the couch, and um, yeah, 20 minutes later, and 20 minutes, and I think two two pushes, and Ellie absolutely shot into the world. <laughs> there was, it was so. And she was born in the lounge room? She was born on the lounge room floor, <laughs> over there. About 20 minutes after she was born, Toby woke up, and he came out, and we met Ellie. We snuggled on the couch there, and, and she. Straight away, and I had. Ooh, you're right, Dylan. Have you done? I made it. Had plenty of milk because I was still feeding Toby, and she just mm. gone. <laughs> she was gone for that straight away. So Dan really liked you. Didn't really need much. 
couple of hours um, when your wife you know, said, do you want to go and have a shower? And so I um, went up to the bathroom and, and had a shower. And actually, um, again, I hadn't really known what was going on. I hadn't been hungry that during the day. Obviously, mm -hmm. later was coming. My blood pressure got really low and I passed out in the shower. She's a summer baby. Oh no, she's a she's a May baby. She's a May baby. She had you know, her fire going and everything. But uh, the four of us, so myself and Dan, Cody and Ellie, you know, we got to just go to bed. We all yeah. we all slept together in the bed, and I didn't do much sleeping. But I love that as well. That it's not even a question when you're home birthing that your partner's going to be able to be with you yeah. after you've given birth. We just got up and went to bed, and the next morning I got to make pancakes for breakfast for everybody. It was so great. Yeah. You know, we had we had pancakes for breakfast, and it was yeah. Um, I had How long did the midwife stay around? She stayed around. I don't think she had breakfast with us, but she got up and had a coffee, and we yeah. sat on the couch, and um, and then she she headed off after that. Um, but so Ellie was born just after. Like this decision had just grounded everything yeah. for. Yeah, there was no way that, that we knew as soon as we found out we were having another baby, that's what we were going to do. And we mm. were going to go with our same midwife. And yeah, that was just. We knew, and everybody was happy with our decision. Not that, any, not that it's anybody else's business, really, but having had such a successful experience, mm. um, there wasn't that. much earlier yeah. this time. Um, in the first trimester or in the second trimester? Uh, in the first, I found out that we, we knew early this time that I was yeah. pregnant. I think that probably seven or eight weeks along that I contacted her. 
Um, and we, were, we actually were a bit worried because our, we went and had a dating plan to find out when she was due because we knew it was going to be around Christmas time. And they mm. actually put her estimated due date as Boxing Day. <laughs> so I'm really nervous actually that you know, the midwives would be on holidays or not taking yeah. work, um, you know, clients during that time or taking women during that time. But she said that she had already agreed to take on another woman during the time. Things are a little wow. bit different this time though. And I don't know what's changed. Mm. But um, um, different for you or different? With in terms of the, um, our experience with our care provider. So um, while I think I was happy to meet in town um, a few times, once or twice during the pregnancy with Ellie, just when um, you know she was going to be in town and I was still working. But from... Down in Canberra. Down in, sorry, yeah, in Canberra. Um, I think we found out we were pregnant in May or June. I can't even remember when we found out. But I know there was a point we had a, we had one or two pre- uh, antenatal visits here at home, and then uh, the midwife started just booking them in the days that I worked in town, and which is a different dynamic. So we were meeting at my mum's place. My mum lives in Canberra. Yeah. And it was, it was fine on those a couple of times. I was happy with it. And, and even the first couple of times it was booked in during my pregnancy with Molly, I didn't really think anything of it. But then it just continued. And I don't know why, but I didn't say anything. And I kind of wonder why I didn't say anything, but I, I didn't say anything. And, you know, don't want to cause trouble. Went along with it. And, um, and so for the majority of the pregnancy, my antenatal visits were in Canberra. Um, anyway, you know, the relationship still felt really good. Um, we just we were just meeting at my, my mother's house in Canberra. Um, and then, you know, we got to the, the pointy end of the pregnancy and I went on maternity leave and we had one antenatal appointment out here at the house, I think, and it was really, really quick. Really quick. Um, again, didn't really think much of, you know. Which there meant to be opportunities for developing a relationship yeah. with that person as well. Like they're... And just, I don't know, just... That's continuity of care. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, get to know the next baby and, and yeah. I don't know, just... I don't know. It was di- it was different. Um, but we, we we weren't sort of... Alarm bells weren't going off or anything like that. We were, we were okay. Um, I just... Like, oh, just having another appointment in camera. Came out once before baby was born um, and had a really quick visit. But again, um, it was, I think, about four days before she was born. Um, and I'd been joking because I didn't want to have a baby on Christmas Day for anybody. Um, <laughs> I'd been joking, I'm going to have this baby on the 17th of December. And it just turned out we had an antenatal appointment booked in on that day. And the midwife came out. I was like, you know, I'm having this baby today, so you may as well just hang around. And I remember lying down on the couch, and she was, you know, checking where baby was, and she was like, oh, mm, this baby's really low. Mm, maybe we will be. But we didn't. Um, but so off she went, and anyway, um, yeah.
down and had a few that morning, had a few just, you know, niggles, but nothing had come of it. Um, and we, oh, Dan and I had just purchased a really, like a commercial fridge to store our vegetables in for summer. And um, he had to go and pick it up from Bungendore, which is just over an hour from here. And he said to me, are you going to be right? Like, I'm like, yeah, nothing's happening. Like, nothing's happening. Nothing, no no broken waters, no mm-hmm. nothing. Nothing's going on. It's fine. Just Off felt late-term pregnant. Yeah, just go. It's, again, 39 and, yeah, 39 and a bit weeks and nothing's going on here. Go and get the, go and get the fridge because, you know, the, the longer we leave it, the more likely we are to have a baby and I don't want you disappearing while, while that's happening. Um, anyway. He off he goes, and he'd gone about 15 minutes, and the first contraction came. And I went, no, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> and he'd be out of phone reception don't for a ridiculous. bit of that drive. Yeah, well, you know, almost, you, you get a little bit of reception, Captain Slap, but then it's not until you get closer to, to Queanbeyan. But um, this was the first time that I'd had any sort of pre-labour, and so I had a contraction, but they were 10 minutes apart, and I ended up, I called him and just said, look, Having attractions, I don't know if anything's coming of it, but just keep the phone on you. Anyway, the whole process of him going and picking up this enormous commercial fruit, you know, the dry, with the drive and picking it up and tying it on the truck and bringing it back, it was like a four-hour ordeal. So he was labour had definitely started, um, but he he was out of the picture for a bit. And I told him, look, I'll call you if things get get real. So um, I've been a bit more prepared this time. Of, you know, got some movies for the kids and I've had, like, frozen food in the freezer just to mm-hmm. eat for the children if labour had started and all of that sort of thing. So I sat them set them up with a couple of DVDs and um, and got the kids organised. And I actually just sat on the floor and read a book and tried to mm-hmm. not move around too much because I didn't really want the baby to come too quick. I wanted someone to be there. And then Dan, And what was Dan's ETA? He so he had left at four and I think oh, he was due back I think it was gonna be around seven or seven thirty, something I was expecting him back. He'd left quite late in the afternoon. Um so yeah, I just I sat on the floor and read a book and I didn't wander around too much yet, yeah, didn't want wanna have the baby too quickly without anyone there. And I was lucky, the contractions kind of slow and, and steady this time around. Um, and then Dan came home and he and his dad started unloading this fridge. And Dan had been saying to his dad, look, I've got to, I've got to get inside. Aaron's having the baby and he hadn't really registered that that's what was going on. I'm like, oh, can you just weld this onto my truck before before I go? Dan's like, Aaron's, Aaron's, you know, Aaron's having a baby. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Dan had come in to tell me what he, tell me what he was doing, and um, his, his dad walked up to the door, and I'm here in the kitchen just breathing and swaying and that sort of thing. And he's like, hello, Aaron. Oh, oh, you're having a baby. Oh, 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 o
too cold to be, you know, wandering around butt naked in your house without the fire going. So we definitely needed the fire going that night. Um, and we called, it was just it was about quarter to ten. Um, contractions hit five minutes. Um, and she said, yep, she was going to hit the road. And from that point, like, we hit five minutes, but then they just, they really amped up, really mm. ramped up from that point. Um, and... Five minutes just seems like such an old school measurement. Like, yeah, well, it's, it doesn't seem like a great one to use rurally. Like, that's what I've always thought about the advice you give people when travelling to a hospital. Yeah. I think you should give different advice. Like, yeah. Because that's the advice most hospitals give. It's like, well, when they become regular, like five minutes, last thing they for about a minute, tense, like it's yeah. like it's like then the, travel, it's like, oof. Yeah, it probably wasn't so much how quick they were coming, but the intensity at that stage um, was real. Mm. Yeah, very much real. Um, I think it was about what is the And, you know, I jumped in the shower, tried to sort of get control of them, I suppose, um, and it would have been about quarter past 11, I could feel, I, like, I, my body was pushing, um, and she hadn't arrived yet, and so we called, like, that's one of the things she said, if, if, you're, if you think the baby's coming and you, I'm not there, call, and I will, I'll talk you through it all on the phone, you know, mm. it's like, hey, you've been there, you've done it before, you know. Um, and we called, and she was on the Cooma Road, which is still, you know, 20, 25 minutes away. Mm. And I, like, I, I knew the baby was close to coming, and I, I'd reached down, and I felt, and I couldn't feel a head or anything like that. But then my body started pushing, and I, I don't know, I don't know what what my mind was thinking. I, I sort of thought I should. I shouldn't be pushing yet because I can't feel a baby there and what if I start pushing it's not the right time to push or I don't know so we, we called I, I lost all my confidence mm. and I'm looking back now again I think I'm probably going through transition yeah but I lost all my confidence and we called and, and said I, I, I need to push and she said well just go with your body just just push just let your body do it and, and again it wasn't you know like you see on on television where they're like push and you push this is just but I, there was nothing I could have done even if I wanted to tell it there was nothing I yeah. could do anyway so in the middle of the of the phone call um she'd obviously hit the point on the Cooma Road where you run out of reception and the phone went dead and I reached down and, and I could feel I could feel her head and I had this so silly now but again like I said transition I, I could I could feel her head, and I knew that the midwife wasn't going to make it. And I got so scared. I got so scared because I knew I was going to be delivering the baby on my own, and and it shouldn't be scary. I shouldn't have been scared, but I but I was. And like I said, lost all that confidence. Um, and because I got scared, I started to like I started to yell like when the contractions mm. were coming. Instead of breathing and moving, mm. I just I got scared, and so you know what it's like when you get scared, things tense up, and, and so the contractions became more painful, and I started yelling, and I got two kids asleep, I shouldn't have been yelling, but I was yelling, and it sounds 
so, um, so, I don't know, harsh, but Dan did exactly the right thing because I was on the floor right there and he was on the other side of the couch and he just looked at me and said, Erin, stop yelling and start breathing. And it just snatched me out of it. Mm. And I know it sounds really harsh, but it worked. It was what I needed at the time. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like I had my midwife during Shan's birth talk to me in a similar way yeah. when um, I had that like ring of fire moment. And, and um, it was just like, okay. And it was, they give a strategy as well. She was like, look at me, we'll do it. Yeah. And he's told you to start breathing. Like, you're like... Breathe again. It's like, okay. And you're in an instinctual, animalistic kind of place yeah. where it's like, okay, breathing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can do that one. That's what I need to do. I need to breathe. <laughs> and so, see, so I had that urge to push and it sort of, I got scared and it went away and he said, breathe. And, and I did. And then... Yeah, she was coming, and I, re- I reached down, and she was right there, and, and I said, can you catch the baby? And because of the position that I was in, sort of clinging onto the side of the couch, I needed to hold onto something, but I couldn't move to go anywhere or stand up and hold onto him. I was like, stuck in that position. And he's like, oh, I can't, can't get in there. And the next contraction came, and, um, and had one hand holding onto the couch, and one hand sort of held onto her head and she came out in one in one push and picked her up and, and held onto her and I just delivered my own baby and it was just, I birthed this baby and I caught her myself and it was just mm. amazing. It was so amazing. It was just absolutely the best, best thing in the whole entire world. And we sort of, you know, I pulled her up and put her on my chest and turned around and sat back down on the floor and we sat there for a minute and we just looked at each other and went, shit, we just did that. Like, mm. And then she came out so quietly. Um, she, did, she didn't cry at first. And I didn't even register. I just was holding her just in awe of what we had just done. Dan said, Erin, 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 is the baby okay? I'm like, why? I'm making any noise. And, but it was, she was fine. Like Her eyes were open and she was looking at me. I just... Mm. I guess you kind of just know what to do. I didn't think. Yeah. I just flipped her over and gave her back a rub. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything came yeah. out of her mouth. She was fine. She was just quiet. Yeah. She scooped her mouth and she was squeezing her nose a bit and rubbed her back and she yelled at me, I think, because I made her angry. <laughs> <laughs> and she, yeah, I put her back on my chest and she was quiet again. She was just so calm. And, um, and yeah, we just sat there. And midwife arrived about 15 minutes after she was born, and yeah. we hadn't birthed the placenta yet. So she made it. She made it for that, and it was, you know, at the time, I, I sort of said I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend it, but I'm so glad it happened now. Like I'm so glad I got to experience that. I, that that sort of four or five minutes where I was really scared wasn't great, but um. But once, once we'd calmed down and, and it was happening again, it was just, it was incredible. It's incredible. And I guess on some level I can really understand why people would choose to have an unassisted birth mm. because it was just, the high was just amazing. I was on it for weeks. It was just incredible. I mean, it was incredible. So, so yeah, so that was, that was Miss Molly um, and she was just, 
her middle name is Joy because she was just <laughs> she genuinely was still is was just such a joy in those first few hours, few days, few weeks. She was just this incredibly calm and um, Incredible baby, it's mm. wonderful. So, so yeah, so midwife, midwife came. Um, she got there about fifteen minutes later. She didn't. No, she did stay. Sorry, she did stay the night. That's right. Um, it was really similar to, to before. We just sat on the couch, birth the placenta. Um, we didn't have any any issues. Um, had a shower, went to bed, and everybody got up in the morning. She actually left really early that morning because um, I think. She had enough, her other client was very close to to um, giving birth as well. So. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Molly's birth was incredible and amazing. And unfortunately, we didn't really have the postnatal care that we were expecting. Um, so I know, look, it was around Christmas time, and I know. You know, I think I even said to the midwife, you know, we're happy not to see you. You know, if you if you want to, if you're going to go spend some time with your family for a couple mm. of weeks, you know, everything's fine. We're we're okay. It's baby number three. We're okay. You know. Um, but six but, weeks would take you quite a bit past yeah, Christmas. Yeah, if definitely. Someone was going to give you your full six weeks. So yeah, she was born on the twenty first, and on the twenty sixth, I developed. So we did, we didn't hadn't seen. The midwife called, we'd arranged an appointment, sorry, we'd arranged an appointment, but her other client ended up going into labour. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, you know, it was either just before Christmas or a couple of days after Molly was being born. And um, so 26th of December rolled around and I had a huge milk supply. And she, like, she latched fine and everything, but she wasn't, um, she didn't feed just for the sake of feeding like my other baby did too. Yeah. She would only feed when she was hungry and if she wasn't hungry she couldn't be bothered. I had a huge supply. And I got mastitis on the on the twenty sixth of December. And um I didn't want to go driving into see a doctor with, you know, a five day old baby and two toddlers. But it went on, it was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I got so mm. sick and I was out of action for about four days. Just so sick. Didn't get a didn't get a visit. Some advice over the phone. But I always had to initiate the phone call. Then we didn't see her till the first of the second of January. So um, and she came out to the house and stayed for quite a lot of seven and a half minutes. Didn't even have to pee with me. Um and this is the first time you've seen her since, since birth. And I remember the day she was born, I actually saying, oh, she's not latching properly on the left breast. And she had a really quick look and said, oh, no, it's fine. And that's the, that's the breast that I got, the mastitis. Mm. She wasn't latching properly. I knew she wasn't latching properly. They came out to seriously seven and a half minutes. Dan had been down at the garden. No! What is even that as well? Like, travel so far to get here. Like, where's even the logic, let alone the care and all this? I don't know. And, like, we just worked for, like, stuff out ourselves. Like, there was no... And that was it. That was the last thought of it. And so there were appointments made and cancelled because something else had come up or another lady would be in labour. 
And then, because we didn't see her, we missed out on any of the few more paperwork. And right. um, we, so we didn't, we, we didn't have the newborn declaration to submit. And we both, with our dog, like when I went, I went on the training and all, but I wasn't going back. Um, we had no income coming in because I couldn't access the government's paid paternity leave because I didn't have my newborn declaration form to submit. Hmm. And I couldn't get my midwife to come out to me or meet with me to get that paperwork. And we were paying for every, like we had vegetables in the garden, the market gardens, but just that was our first, this was going to be our first um, go full time. And I just had a baby, so I wasn't helping. There was only a little bit of money coming in. We were paying for the mortgage and everything else out of our savings. She was born on the 21st of December and we didn't start receiving a maternity or the government's paid parental leave until March, I think it was. It took me that long to try and chase up all the paperwork. In the end, I ended up having to go into Canberra and meet at my mother's house to get it all. So it was just a really strange experience this time mm. around. And, um, Highly unfair. <laughs> And the care you'd signed up for was home birth care, like, yeah, like understandably people don't always make it for birth, but that happens, but to have this really difficult. Yeah, and you know, and there were two other things, two other things, you know, you're talking about birth debriefing, Mm. ours wasn't a traumatic experience at all, like it was amazing, incredible, do you know how badly I wanted to just debrief and talk to her about how what yeah. I've done and what I've And that's meant to be one of the things you can do in the six yeah. weeks. But no, we didn't get that chance to do I know I wanted to talk to her about what it was like when she arrived and I don't know, we didn't get that. And then the other thing was um you know, I we spoke on the phone a bit and exchanged text messages about trying to organise visits and, and in the end trying to just get the paperwork organised. Did she ask me how Molly was? Mm. Not one time. Not one time. And um, I, that made me really sad as well. You know, you do see a lot of the stuff on social media these days. You know, the amazing relationships some women have with their midwives. And, and oh, I thought, what's wrong with me? Does she not like me? Like, what have I done wrong here? That's really how I felt after I'd had the baby. Like, what have I done wrong? Mm. Um, I don't know. So that was really, really sad and living, you know, we didn't actually, we stayed home for six weeks, we didn't go into town, um, so it was pretty isolating. We had people come into the house, you know, the family to make their baby and things like that, but yeah, you know, um, that really special relationship that you think you're going to have with you, like, for whatever reason, it just seemed to stop, and it yeah. was really hard, actually. Both Dan and I were really disappointed. And then on a really, like, I don't know, on a really basic level, paid $7,500 for care that we didn't receive. Mm. And it's, you know, it, it, there's the emotional side of things and 
the physical side of things, like changing your being sick and having a mastitis, but also you want to get you want to get really you know down to it. Yeah, we had a lot of money for a fetish that we didn't feel that we received anymore. Mm. Yeah, it was really disappointing. So how did you move then with Riley into making birth choices? Because yeah. you'd done this research to find this midwife yeah. that, and we're not a massively resourced no, area. Not at all. Well, we actually weren't sure if we would have. I I wanted to have a big family since Toby's been born. Um, so. I sort of wanted to have another baby, but we weren't sure if it was actually going to be able to happen because mm. at that point, there's no way either of us wanted to birth in a hospital mm-hmm. and we didn't know if there were any other options out there. And it just happened, um, like by chance, I had a friend who was pregnant and <coughs> we were buying her, <coughs> she wanted a big rash um, for, for her, you know, um, birth or for her baby and so a group of friends and I went to buy her one and uh, I found some people in Canberra that sell the spectra of breast pumps mm-hmm. called Care Midwifery and um, you know I organised to purchase this pump for her and I, the midwife that dropped it out I was, I was in Canberra and we met up and to, to my and I just started talking to her about home birth and um, mm. and just I wasn't pregnant at the time, but I, I said to her, oh, so do you, do you only do ACT or do you do regional areas as well? And she said, oh, you know, it depends on a few things, you know, um, just how far away and if we think we'll be able to get there and, you know, if the first time mum or third time mum or whatever, you know, there's a few factors, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll travel. And I'm like, oh, okay. And just sort of stored away <laughs> in my brain. And then, um, yeah, we fell pregnant with baby number four. And... Um, we had a, oh, we knew we weren't going to go through the hospital mm. and I didn't know if um, the, the the new care providers that we ultimately went with, but I didn't know if they were, would take me on, you know, um, they might not have had space or they might not have wanted to travel this far or, or, or whatever. So I did have some time thinking would I go it alone and would I free birth or would I have an unassisted birth? Mm. And what I kept coming back to is I really do think that everyone has, you have to feel safe yep. in having a baby and, you know, I, I feel safe here in my home but I know, I also know what I'm like and even though I completely trust in my body and my ability to have babies, um, I feel like if I didn't have anyone here, there would always be in the back of my brain that little niggle of what if, and I didn't want that to impact on my labour. So if we were doing it, going alone and having a free birth, would I be able to switch that off? Um, you know, the, the what if, what you know, what if something happens and I don't have anyone out here with oxygen, or I don't have any, anyone out here to help, you know, if if I, if I have a bleed again, or all that sort of thing. And would that then, yeah, make make my labour stall or, or be more difficult or, or that sort of thing. So thought about it, but in the end, we we said, you know, we're going to have to really try and get a midwife out here. So um, maybe 
made the call and um, I actually felt like they were beautiful and amazing and, and, and really wonderful and really happy to talk me through everything. But I felt like the first couple of times I spoke to the, the midwives, I felt like I had to kind of, I was like pleading my case. Like, I live this far away, but I've had two home births already, and I was really straightforward. And the last one, I delivered, you know, first my baby all on my own, and <laughs> all of this, you know. Um, I had quick letters, but don't worry, if you don't make home comments, yeah, I felt like I really had to leave mm. my case and really. Um, and what were they like? Oh, fantastic. Uh, look, um, the first thing I said was, look, yes, sort of, we're happy, we'd be happy to take you on. But let's, let's check the diaries first and make sure everybody's on leave. And um, can, we come, can we come out for a look and see where you are? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what happened. And, um, and even though I, was, I felt like I had to plead my case, I don't think that's what they were expecting. That was just me really trying to just, you can't turn me down. I'm going to be your dream client, I promise you. Yeah. Take me on. Um, and and they, the... Um, Molly had woken up and she um, 
donated me with this that'll go back to sleep. I climbed into into bed with her and um, I climbed into bed with her and it took about 40 minutes to put her back to sleep. And when I got up, the players at the four AM I got out of her bed and then and you know, I called his mum to come out to the farm and she could look up and think he'd been taken to the transfer to hospital. Um, you know, he got the clothes down and lit the fire and done all the things that needed to be done. And I got out of bed with Molly and the contractions started. They were hard and they were fast and they were two and a half minutes apart. Do me to hold her? That would be lovely. And that's where they sort of, they, they started there and that was it. There was no, there was no going back actually. Um, and I remember saying to Dan, well, if we're transferring to hospital, it's going to have to be an ambulance because there's no way I was getting in a car to drive to the hospital at that stage. They were just yeah, too quick, too intense and too quick. And that was a beautiful smile. <laughs> too intense and too, and too quick. And um, yeah, so... We, we did the same thing, wandering around the house, you know, just, uh, and this time actually I tried to be a lot more active during the labour, um, stayed upright most of the time, mm-hmm. not a lot of hands and knees, and during this last pregnancy I've done a lot of reading about, um, you know, how the, like, the vocal sounds that you make really mm. assist with your, with your labour, and for the first time ever I did some, like, had some birth affirmations, you know, some things that I think. Yeah. Um, How do you set them up? And, no, they were just in my head, but yeah. I was saying them while, mm-hmm. I was, while I was birthing and talking to her as well, actually, this time around. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, lots of upright and moving and swaying and, and moaning and, and just really those, those deep noises and lots of releasing and, you know, and from a baby moving down and and it just it was I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing because it was it was this was the shortest labour but it was by far the hardest in terms of the intensity mm. it was just whew, makes your eyes water um and yeah look midwife arrived with about forty minutes to spare this time this time was a bit different um. With the other two babies, with Ellie and Molly, they had both come out. Um, like my waters had broken as they were birthing. This time, my my waters broke about ten minutes before Riley was born, and so I never had the pleasure of being able to feel like the baby coming out. He said, um, "It was it was it was pretty wild. And it was pretty intense." And she, she, she started, oh, Ellie had said all throughout the presentation that she wanted to talk Yeah. And so she was down here, she was sitting next to me, and she was holding my hand. And just, Riley's head came out, and I was standing up, and the midwife said to Ellie, do you want to come around and catch the baby? And she looked, and she went, no. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to go that stage. Because like I said, it was, it was the shortest, but the hardest. While the other babies were birthed fairly quietly, like not a lot of yelling and screaming, little Riley was actually raw. Totally raw. She, um, yeah. I just rather didn't it. And it was just, it was just all the things. It was amazing. 
quite healing after all those yeah. questions that were raised yeah. in like yeah. in that it third. sounds like none of them really ever got answered but then you have this healing experience yeah. with this other set That's of great. women now I'm just going to have more babies so making that transition themselves or questioning because I think there's a long time sitting in questioning of um, what's been hammered into you versus maybe intuitively what feels right and it sounds like for you a lot of stuff intuitively felt right about home birthing. It did, definitely. I think, um, I guess I'm a little bit biased but first and foremost, if you can do it, I would say do it, do it. Um, because it, is, it has just been the most amazing experiences of my life, really. Um, I would say definitely do, do your reading and do your research because if you do have some of those niggling doubts, that's really going to help to mm. alleviate some of those fears. Um, I would say... Once you've made your decision, I'd say be confident with it. Definitely be confident with it because um, you probably will have people either telling you that you're not making a good choice or um, questioning your choices. So, so be confident in, in that decision that you've made so that if you are receiving less than positive feedback or people are thinking that you're making a bad choice for your baby, that you can... Come back and tell them. Well, actually, you know, no, it's for a, a low risk pregnancy. It's safer to have your baby, you know, at, at home. There's less because there's less risk of intervention. Oh, you know, of course, there's the cascade of interventions. Yes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, because you're going to be given the space and the time to just birth your baby how it should how it should mm. be birthed. Um, 
I think there's more listening in midwifery-led care systems as well, yeah. which I only have one experience, but I did do GP shared care. Yeah. And uh, the around midwifery and I guess doulas as well like the phrase of being with women is used a lot and I definitely have felt that from midwives yeah. a lot like um and I think um the more you can have a connection with someone who's willing to be with you yeah. on every part of continuity that. is just yeah so what everybody needs and you know while I've been I, I haven't had You have to be perfect. You do, don't you? And then, uh, doesn't there conditions around not being able to go over mm. 40 weeks and or 42 weeks and all these sorts of things? But, you know, I, explore the options because it's just, it's amazing. You know, mm. you, stay, you, you feel safe in your home. You feel safe surrounded the people that are surrounding you. They're just being able to go into your own bed. To mm. wake up the next morning in your space, wear what you want and eat what you want and move how you want and do what feels right. It's just, it's, it's, you know, I wish everyone could experience it. But that's what's really sad because it's unobtainable for a lot of people and particularly mm. a lot of rural women, isn't it? Because of the high cost involved. And, you know, you've got to be, um, you still have to kind of be close enough to a major capital city, really, yeah. for someone to be able to come out to do to do the care for you. Um, it's, it's really sad. You know, the women that need need that um, option the most, which, which probably is, you know, you rural women, are the ones that have the hardest time accessing it, I think. Imagine, you know, having to travel every week for six weeks an hour with my newborn baby into mm. town for checkups and visits. That would oh, you wouldn't do it. Like people no, just care ceases, or it becomes a different stem of care. It's yeah. not midwifery care. It's maternal child health care nurse, yeah. and yet that one home visit like you've had yeah. in the past. And mm. well, yeah, that's 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 sort of what I would say. I, I would say you know, don't hold back if you can do it. Do it. Yeah. Definitely. 
Well, thank you for sharing your story. It's a long story. No, it's good. It's a long story. It's good to hear all the parts, and particularly like how you've moved through so many different experiences, both in your first pregnancy and then into choosing home birth. But then in home birth itself, you've had different experiences, and your story just kind of shows how much is possible. again to Erin for sharing her rural birth story. If you would like to share your rural birth story, please get in touch via email ruralbirths at gmail.com or on Instagram rural underscore births. And once again, thank you for listening. <laughs>